Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to E-Commerce Conversations, a weekly podcast focusing on e-commerce topics featuring interviews with prominent people in the e-commerce space. Welcome to E-Commerce Conversations by Practical E-Commerce. My name is Kerry Murdoch. Email marketing is critically important to many e-commerce merchants. But what happens if a merchant's email is blocked by an internet service provider? Or worse yet, what happens if the merchant's name and IP address lands on an email blacklist? Email deliverability is our topic today. And to help us understand blacklist and ISP email blocking, we are joined by Laura Atkins. She's co-founder of wordtothewise.com, an anti-spam consulting and software firm. Well, Laura, thank you for your time today. You're very welcome. I'm glad to be here. Laura, we are excited to be talking to an email deliverability expert, which, of course, you are. Uh, my first question for you, Laura, is... What exactly is an email blacklist in in the year 2011? I know that term has kind of evolved, uh, blacklist-type companies, but what does that mean now, an email blacklist? So these days, um, an email blacklist typically refers to a public list of IP addresses that are known to send spam or bad mail. Um, an IP address is the unique number assigned to each computer on the Internet, and it is the number that identifies the source of an IP address, uh, of an email, sorry. It is the number that identifies the source of an email. So you know when you get connected from a sender exactly who that is on the internet and that identification is an IP address. Who maintains that list? You say it's a public list of known IP address addresses that send spam. Who, who maintains that list? Well, there are actually a number of um, public blacklists that are accessible on the Internet. Um, there's one primary one uh, that a lot of places use called Spam House, and they actually maintain a number of different lists. Some of them are lists of virus-infected machines. Some of them are lists of home computers that shouldn't be sending email directly to a server. Some of them are lists of IP addresses that are directly under control of a spammer. And then there's also IP addresses that they've seen spam from, but think that the owner of that IP address can resolve and fix and stop sending spam, and then it gets delisted. There are also um, a number of lists controlled by the spam filtering companies, and those tend to be private 
in that you have to be a customer of that company in order to access that list. How does, in the instance of Spam House or the instance of the private spam filtering companies, how does a an offender or a company get on that list? Does it require a complaint? No, most of them do not require complaints. Many of them, the companies maintain a list of email addresses that are not ever used to opt into mail. So when they get email to that email address, they know that there's no opt-in and there's no permission associated with that mail. Hmm. So if, say I'm a merchant and someone subscribes to my list uh, in a legitimate manner, a year later I send that person an email, that subscriber an email, the subscriber doesn't remember it, the subscriber then complains to either the uh, email service provider or to someone like Spam House. Does the merchant get added to a spam list if that happens? It depends. Um, spam House does not normally take complaints from people, although there are uh, instances where you can send mail to Spam House and say, hey, look, I, this is spam. Um, but generally they use their own email addresses and their own spam traps in order to identify things. The ISPs, on the other hand, particularly the major ISPs that have this is spam button in their interface, use the information from a user clicking on the this is spam button as part of an algorithm to determine whether or not to accept mail from that IP address in the future. So simply complaining, hitting this is spam in Yahoo, hitting this is spam in Gmail can affect delivery um, from that user in the future. Is that the major way that ISPs decide? Is just you mentioned an algorithm, Yahoo or Gmail? Is it what what influences it besides that button? So it's the this is spam button is actually the user taking a step to say I didn't ask for this mail, I don't want this mail. Um, the other things that the the ISPs look at are do people open the mail? Are people clicking on the links in the mail? Is there activity with this email that makes the ISP think that this is really mail that their users want? Mm. And that is really what is going on when the ISPs block or accept mail, is they're mostly interested in making sure that mail their users want is delivered. And they, they identify mail that users want by mail that users interact with, mail that users do not hit this as spam for. Um, if the mail goes into the bulk folder, does the user go to the bulk folder and say, this is not spam? And that's actually one of the major ways that they identify not spam when they're not really sure whether or not this is wanted or not wanted mail. What's, the, what's an acceptable open rate or an acceptable click-through rate? So that what would be, is there a kind of a rule of thumb? Well, there's a couple, there's a couple things to remember. One is that the open rate that the sender sees is different from the open rate that the ISP sees. So senders, when they're looking at open rates, they're actually looking at displayed images, not email was opened. The ISP, on the other hand, can actually say they opened this mail because the ISP is managing that interface for them. So the ISPs don't publish open rates. They don't publish information about what they're looking for in any specifics. Um, And it's hard to make any comments about what is acceptable for the senders because they don't even have access to that data that the ISPs are using. Mm. 
do you have a as an expert in the business do you have a professional opinion or feel as to what's acceptable open and click or are you no, I, I really don't. It, it is one of those bits of secret sauce that the ISPs just don't share with folks. What are Speaking of ISPs, what are the largest, say the top five largest ISPs? You mentioned Yahoo and Gmail. So there's Yahoo, there's Gmail, there's Hotmail, MSN, Live.com um, are the big free mail providers that handle a large fraction of people's lists. Um, Yahoo and Gmail alone for some of my clients will be between 40 and 60% of the list. Um, the other ones you're looking at now are the cable providers, so mm-hmm. Roadrunner and Comcast and Cox. And those are really the folks where the majority of a B2C list will have the addresses, and those are really the folks that are important to um, getting good delivery. Mm-hmm. Do those companies publish any sort of rules or guidance to senders of emails uh, that can help help a company that genuinely wants to do the right thing here and get their email delivered and they don't they don't want to send spam right do those companies uh, offer suggestions <laughs> yes they do um, most of them have websites that are postmaster.roadrunner.com or postmaster.yahoo.com and they provide information for bulk senders, both about um, what the acceptable standards are. So we don't want you to open more than this many connections. We don't want you to send more than this many emails. Um, Those kinds of standards, as well as if you've gotten mail rejected, here's what it means and here's how you resolve the problem. So our audience, the audience is e-commerce merchants, mainly smaller e-commerce merchants. Depending on the merchant, they pretty much they all say email marketing is extremely important to their business. And I'm wondering, uh, what are what are common mistakes that you see e-commerce merchants make when it comes to sending out emails that they shouldn't be making? One of the biggest problems that I see with companies is an e-commerce company that will collect email addresses over a period of months or years in anticipa- anticipation of starting an email marketing program at some point in the future. So they have these addresses that are a year old, 18 months old, from people who did legitimately purchase from them, but who they've not been in communication with. And then they decide to start a newsletter program or a marketing program and just start sending mail to those addresses with no introduction, no reminder of the purchase or no reminder of the interaction with the company in the past. And that causes a lot of delivery problems. People forget. Um, addresses can change. You can have addresses that are recycled and go to somebody completely different than your initial customer. Addresses can also turn into spam traps and are used to measure things like, does this uh, sender have permission to send this mail? So that's, that's a really big problem for a lot of companies. And generally, the right thing to do in that case is not to necessarily abandon the list but to send an opt-in to that list and go, hey, you purchased from us in the last 12 months. We're starting up an email marketing program. These are some of the examples of the great offers that you can get. Will you sign up with us? And treat it as a sign-up and a welcome and a reintroduction to your company rather than just sending out the, um, hey, we're having a sale Mm -hmm. email. That makes sense. So to take that, that thought, Laura, a step further, 
say a merchant actually makes a mistake and collects a list the way you described and say 18 months go by and they send a they send an email that says we're having a big sale it irritates a lot of people when they do that and they get on say spam houses list or they get on a list uh, an internal list maintained by yahoo or gmail what are the options then for the merchant the options somewhat depend on the circumstances but for instance if they ended up on the spam house list generally what will happen is you can contact spam house and you can talk to the person responsible for the listing and you can say okay you know this was a list we collected over a period of years and we mailed to it once and um, we'd like to resolve it. What Spam House will probably tell them to do is to do an opt-in run to say, hey, look, we're starting a newsletter. Would you like to opt into our newsletter? Mm. And that will resolve it. Um, for Yahoo and Gmail, there's not very many people to contact inside those. Most of the spam filters at the big ISP run very hands-off. It's programmatic. It's algorithmic. Uh, it makes decisions based on the behavior observed by the ISP. So there isn't a person to go talk to and say, hey, we screwed up. But the good part about that is you can just start doing the right thing, mm. and the filters will adapt. Mm. And so if you're consistently good, you can fix that single wrong pretty quickly. Here's a hypothetical example for you for another another thought here, another question. And let's, let's just assume I'm a retailer who sells, hypothetically, running shoes, and I purchase a list of people that belong to running clubs across the country. I paid money for the list. The list provider is legitimate, honest list provider, and I have the names and email addresses of individuals that belong to running clubs. <clears throat> I really want to market to them for my running shoes. Is that just not an option for email purposes when I buy that list? I know email service providers uh, will not let senders use a purchase list. Do you have any thoughts for that scenario for merchants that want to do that? Right. Most, so there's a lot of issues going on there. Um, many of them have to do with the fact that the ISPs typically say, we only want you to send mail that our recipients have asked you to send. So when you're purchasing that list, you're actually violating the standards that the ISPs have set for bulk mail coming into their system. That is, in many respects, why the email service providers don't allow you to mail to that purchase list. Mm. Because the ISPs are going to say, no, this, we're not going to accept this mail. Mm. And it can cause problems for the ESP's other customers. Mm-hmm. However, um, the other issue is is that long history has shown that purchase lists are often very problematic. Um, there aren't actually that many very honest sellers out there. Mm. And I certainly have had, in the years that I've been consulting, worked with companies who have purchased a list from a legitimate sender. And, hey, you know, you've looked at it, and it's been like, no, this, this isn't a legitimate list. Um, in fact, there was one case uh, many years ago where I did everything I could find, figure out to find out whether or not this was a legitimate list. I was looking at zip codes. I was looking at, at physical addresses. I was looking at for spam traps. I was looking for a whole bunch of things on the list. 
and I couldn't identify anything on the list that showed that it wasn't an opt-in list until I found my own email address on there. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, and it, it, my, my address was really on there as an opt-in for something, and it was associated with a IP address in Mississippi, and I've never actually been to Mississippi. So, you know, it, there are a lot of supposed legitimate providers out there that aren't as legitimate as, as one might hope. And so, that's mostly why the ESPs refuse to send to those lists. So a client, uh, say a retail client that you would have in your company, word, word to the wise, you would advise that client simply don't use, don't email to a purchase list, period. That is generally what I recommend, yes. Yeah. Speaking of your company, word to the wise, tell us about your company. You're an anti-spam email consultancy. Uh, tell us, uh, co-founder of that company, tell us a little bit, little bit about you and the company. Sure. Uh, word to the wise was founded back in 2001. We are a software and a consulting provider. Our software system is a ticketing system specifically designed for abuse and security desks. So if you send in a spam complaint to some of the bigger ISPs out there, um, that will actually go through our software, and that will allow the ISP to handle their customers and the problems from their customers efficiently. It also gives us really good connections with the ISPs and keeps us somewhat in the loop of what's going on, um, what changes they're making, what they're seeing in terms of incoming email. And we can take that information and use it on the consulting side where we can say, okay, this is the current problematic traffic these are the things that we're going to see coming down the line in terms of filters. And these are the delivery challenges that are going to be facing customers of the consulting side of the business in the next weeks and months and years. Using that data that you just referred to, are you able to make a statement about offenders, offenders that you see from your uh, spam, spam software desk does that include e-commerce uh, e merchants frequently or not? It will sometimes. Um, we don't actually get the data back specifically. Mm -hmm. It just kind of gives us a, a, a finger into the general uh, feeling from the desk. So we don't actually see the data. We don't see who's being complained about, any of that. Okay. Um, Got it. Laura, we have just another minute or two left here. Anything else on your mind? This has been a very interesting conversation. We thank you for your time. Is, is there anything else on your mind as a in regards to email deliverability for e-commerce merchants? Yeah, the, the most important thing about email delivery is remembering that there's actually a human on the other end of that mail client, that you're talking to someone who is an individual, that you're talking to someone who has their own wants and needs and schedules and priorities and budgets and things like that. So when you mail to them, make sure that you're mailing of course, to benefit you as the e-commerce merchant, but also giving them something that makes them feel good and that fills the need that they have. And so really focus on what is my target market going to want from me in my email marketing versus what can I get out of email marketing. Good advice. Well, for purposes of our listeners, we've been visiting with Laura Atkins. Laura is the founding partner, the co-founder of an anti-spam email consultancy and software firm. It's called Word to the Wise. The website is wordtothewise.com, wordtothewise.com. 
and Laura Atkins, the founding partner of Word to the Wise. We want to thank you for your time today. Thank you. It's been great talking to you, and I hope your listeners got a lot out of it. That's all the time we have for this week's e-commerce conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Please tune in next week for another new episode.